You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. The Houndsman XP Podcast Network is taking you on the journey. Your host, Master Trainer Heath Hyatt, will combine his decades of experience as a houndsman and as a professional trainer that will light the path forward and make our packs lighter on this lifelong journey to become better hunters and houndsmen. There are no shortcuts, so lace up those boots and grab a dog leash. The journey begins now. We're coming live from Studio B, which is actually BB's man shed, which is his garage. <laughs> We've been here before, but yeah, got um, to come down to North Carolina for a couple of days and hang out with him and Doug. And, you know, I can't express how grateful I am that these guys let me tag along. You know, we don't have a season in Virginia, so being able to come down and, and hang out with them and just do a little extra work with my dogs is a blessing. Um, yesterday, I kind of rode D- Doug's shirt tails. <laughs> and then this morning, me and BB got after it and had a good race. And we was able to catch the, the older dogs. And when I say older dogs, mine are two years old. And you had what? I had a... Well, I had one that was five that we yeah. used to start with, but the other ones are a year old. Yeah, so we're running, I mean, we're running young stuff. So we let our year olds uh, keep on keeping on, and I just told BB, like, the best part of the whole hunt, and it, and we pulled the dogs off of it, but, um, man, it broke through this big section of timber, and BB said, he's out in the field, so I had to drive around, and um, I seen the dog, he'd done crossed the road into another field, and I could see the dog, BB's like, look out in front. And I could see the bear standing way out through this wheat field. And BB drove around and caught the, the two dogs that got through. Was it two? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I caught everything else that was coming through. But, yeah, it was pretty fun. And, I mean, they were all the dogs were a year old or, or less, actually. Yeah, 11 months. Yeah, Rogan M's 11 months. Yeah. The yeah. Two, two that were out in front were 11 months old. <laughs> yeah. So that was a good time. I mean, I, I enjoyed that part of it, even though, like I said, we had to pull the dogs off. But. Today, we're going to just talk about uh, something that's been on my mind um, a lot about hunting. And it's not about the hunting part. It's about the why. You know, no matter what you do in life, you always ask yourself, why? Why do I do this? What am I doing this for? And I'm a why person. Like, I ask a lot of questions. And it's not that I'm um, being hard to get along with. I I want to understand the why. And, you know, in, in leadership, you know, if you anybody's in leadership, you look at the Simon Sinek, it starts with why. So I've been asking myself this a lot. Like, why do I do what I do? Um, as far as the outdoors, 
I grew up in a small rural community. I mean, 1,700 people was in my my town, and there was nothing to do. You had to drive 45 minutes to a big store. Like, we didn't have, there wasn't no Walmarts. There wasn't no, you know, we had a couple little gas stations and a couple little um, mom-and-pop grocery stores. But we spent the summer on the creeks and in the hay fields, and, you know, you spent the fall playing football and hunting, and that's that's all I've known, and I enjoy it. You know, I see these posts come up all the time about, you know, the best therapy in the world is outdoors, and I I couldn't agree with that more. I mean, I sitting on my boat when there's not a lot of people out, and I'm just, even if I'm not catching fish, it's just so peaceful, and it's so relaxing, and I enjoy it. But I want to get into the why. Why do I... Why do I use dogs to hunt, and why do I like to train dogs? You know, what's what's the purpose of it? So, maybe I'm going to start with you. I'm going to let you say, I'm going to let them tell your why, and then I'll get into mine. <laughs> well, kind of like you, uh, I grew up on the family farm, so I was all the time, uh, if I wasn't riding the tractor with my grandfather, I was riding in the truck with him, um, hunting, or going around looking at crops and stuff like that, and so, um, so I grew up, and my grandfather had a pack of deer dogs. So every fall after he got all the crops in, he was uh, always deer hunting with the dogs. And uh, I always liked that, and I always wanted a coon dog. And uh, never, never got that while I was in around here uh, at home. I uh, didn't get into the coon dog world until uh, until shucks sophomore year of college, I believe freshman or sophomore year of college, I put a post out on UKC and I met some real good lifelong friends up there who agreed to let me tag along coon hunting. Uh, that's kind of how I met you, Heath. Um, but then, uh, so for me, I've always liked the dogs and uh, I've seen, I've been exposed to the bear hunting world um, through Doug and, uh, you know, I just thought that, that was just the, the, pinnacle of you know training performance how they handled what they did it was just different than the deer dog world and uh, I wanted to get to that eventually and then so I ended up uh, getting a coon dog the first one and with the overall goal of down the road getting a pack of bear dogs and so it was a long road but uh, finally finally I'm getting halfway there but I guess the reason why <clears throat> my grandfather, so my grandfather always, you know, he took me deer hunting and uh, always deer hunting with the dogs. And But he always even held at a high respect, you know, the bear hunting and always wanted to kill a bear and uh, had been with the guy with Doug bear hunting and stuff and. Uh, the stories he'd come back and tell me or call me when I was in college and tell me about, you know, how the bear dog, how the dogs did and the dog work. And so I was just kind of hooked after that. And especially after I went and tagged along with it and, uh, the adrenaline that comes with, with actually seeing that bear for the first time, uh, it, it, you can't match it. Mm -hmm. Um, to know that you hear that stick crack and it's not a deer coming <laughs> and then you see the bear come out in the in the path or across the road or whatever and man it's just something different and so I, the original why was just because of you know i held the 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 
kind of the bear hounds at the pinnacle standard. And then it's kind of evolved to the more of how much I enjoy the process of training. And then I really enjoy the process of, of trying to develop or make crosses that succeed where you got a higher percentage of, of, of dogs or puppies that end up making good dogs. Um, so really I got, I, I kind of got into a wormhole of, of, uh, genetics and traits and trying to match traits. Um, and then I've, I've, I've kind of gone down this long path of, uh, I, you could almost call it an addiction of, of being able to, to plan something in your head across and then try and see those traits come out when those switches click in those, in those young dogs. And that's really what brings me back and why I'm all, you know, I, I usually raise one, two, three litters a year, and that's that's my addiction is is really watching those dogs work and watching good young dogs start and and being uh, you know responsible for that. So that's definitely why I do it. Yeah, I think it's it, it's an, it is an addiction, and it, and the challenge is what um, kind of magnifies that on, on top of everything else. So I, I get it. And, you know, I, I think about my why. Like, you know, why why do I use dogs to hunt? And, like, my list is pretty long. Um, you guys have heard me say this before on this podcast. There's never been a time in my life that there's not been a dog with me. I mean, from the, the time that I was, you know, knee-high to a grasshopper, I remember the dogs that we had. I mean, my when I was... Young, and I mean young, young. Uh, Dad had Great Danes. And then he switched over to labs, and we raised labs for a long time. In fact, uh, Gus, which was our last lab, um, he's probably been dead about 10 years, and Dad had slowly switched over to the healers. He had blue healers and a couple red healers, and now he's he's got one. It's an old uh, mountain collie. But the dogs have always been a part of my life, and I never understood the love that I have for dogs. Um, as we were driving up the road today, because I was thinking about this, I'm like, okay, well, I love animals. Believe it or not, even though I am a hunter, uh, I love wildlife. Um, I love watching animals and learning. Uh, I mean... The bear, to me, for our area, is the apex predator, just like the muskie that I fish for. And, you know, people don't get to see, like, I never seen a bear in the woods until I was in my 20s. And I stayed in the woods. Like, I lived in the woods. Um, so having, having a, something that would catch that type of animal just um, overwhelmed me. But the training process, like what you're you're talking about, BB, is I when I first started, I didn't know. I didn't know anything. You know, you fed them, you give them a place to stay, a house, and that's what I knew. And I learned a lot by watching Monkey See Monkey Do. And a lot of that Monkey See Monkey Do 
is not stuff that I'm okay with now. I d- I've learned. I've evolved. I'm continually to learn. Um, but it's kind of like what you're saying. I I like to take those young dogs and watch them evolve. And I know with good guidance and being able to, you know, stop bad behaviors, i.e. trashing, um, putting, putting them on game, doing stuff like that. And, you know, the dogs that are genetically programmed to do what we're asking them to do, it's amazing sometimes to watch them evolve. Like, you know, all you have to do is put them on the right game, deter them from running the wrong game, and they do everything else, basically. I go, I turn them loose and I pick them up. That's my job. But I do like the training aspect and to get into this a little deeper, um, the police dogs, because that, you know, that's another why. Why do I do what I do? Again, it goes back to I've always had a dog around me and my my love for dogs, period, is stronger than I ever realized. Um, and then when you get into the police section, and this is going to circle right back around to the hounds because it, it all has a purpose. Like we have a purpose for these animals. Um, the police dogs, I mean, you know, we're training them to detect odors, what, no matter what it is. We're to training them to track, which they do naturally. I have to train the, the handler to, to read the body language. And then you, you do the apprehension and the obedience and the agility. There's so many facets that go into training a, a law enforcement dog. And I like the challenge. Same thing as you. I like that challenge. I like being able to um, understand what drives that animal to do this and then being able to channel those drives into a function that is good for us or can perform a task for us to either make us safer or stronger or whatever it may be. And then, like I said, that goes all the way back to the hounds. You know, okay, right back to the why. Because a hound has a purpose. If you tie that dog up in the backyard and you leave him there, he's going to drive you crazy. And we, you know, we talked about one of my my young dogs. Like, he's at that point. Like, he's driving me crazy. Um, having him out for the last couple of days and actually getting him around stuff, bam. You can see that change already happening. And we know it's going to happen. So, um, genetically, I, like, I suck at it. Like, I could... I can write this stuff out on paper, X, Y equals Z and W, and I can put it together, and I'm going to end up with A and B. I'm on the plump, I'm on the other end of the, the spectrum with whatever I'm getting. But um, being able to match those um, genes up and produce a quality hound is a, a feat that a lot of people struggle, struggle with. Oh, for sure. No. Uh, and, you know, and Doug's even said it, I think, on this podcast that, you know, not many people, you know, and I'm of the same opinion that not many people have actually seen a good dog work. And when they do see it, once they do see that, a, a what I would classify as a good dog, and sometimes those dogs are, you know, for a lot of people, they're only a once-in-a-lifetime dog, you know, but those are the type of dogs that I want to produce. Um, and, and they don't come every day. Um, you know, and, and so when you, it's, it's kind of nice to be able to see, see them start to click, but you're always looking for that little bit of extra and that, and trying to get that, 
you know, the genetics thing, you can try, try any, you know, there's so many different things you can try and you never know what you're going to get. But, um, I've kind of always been that philosophy of, of I'll try it once and just see what happens. And then you never know and learn from that experience and move forward. But you got to be honest with what you got and what you see and, and, uh, how you evaluate what you're looking, you know, the dogs that you're looking at. Um, but yeah, you know those those good ones. They they they'll stand out in your memories, and and the stuff they do will just you know it just leaves you in awe. You just don't ever know. You know you, you think about like how how in the world did that dog accomplish that feat or mm-hmm. or over or, you know achieve that task based on the obstacles that it had to overcome doing it. You know whether it's you know one dog that's constantly up ahead, you know out in front catching. Um, or something that's cold trailed, cold trailed, works it up and, and finally gets it jumped, you know, at one, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon and you've been working at it for four or five hours. So, you know, those type of things sit you back and really make you think like, you know, what you really look for or help, help, help you set your standards too. Because a lot of people, if they've never seen that, they don't know it's out there. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's my thing is I like to see good dogs work and it doesn't matter whose dog it is. You know, because I'm always looking for that next potential cross. Um, so, I mean, that's that's another reason I why I do why I do what I do is you know try and meet people with dogs and and go see them hunt or hunt with them and, and see them work. Um, it's it's a it's a lot of it's definitely one of those things that once it gets in your blood, you <laughs> you can't really get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. I'm going to kind of backtrack a little bit on some of the stuff that you said. Like, it's hard um, when you've got a pack of dogs. Let's just take six dogs, pack. And if you don't separate those dogs, you don't know what you have. Yeah, that dog may be running out front a little bit. But can he do it? Will he do it by his? Like, for me, my ultimate my ultimate um, indicator or my... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? But my ultimate, okay, yes, I'm, ta- I'm taking that dog out of this category, is can he do it by himself consistently? Every dog, there's always, the, you know, we say this, we have the saying is blind hole find an acorn every once in a while. And I've had dogs that could not tree a bear by themselves pop up and tree a bear by themselves. You know, that bear decided I'm not running, I'm going to go up, and then lo and behold, old june's down there treed on it and it's the best dog in the world but she can't do it day in and day out so you know you, you taking those dogs out of that pack that's that's the that's the tape measure for me um and it's hard to do that it's hard to um separate that sometimes but that's that's how i measure what i have and what i don't have <clears throat> and i want to go back again and I, maybe we talked about this on the other podcast that you and Doug had, had done. So Wendell, was he the first one that got you a dog? No, I actually I, I found a dog on, I think, UKC. It was a plot. <laughs> we all started with plots. <laughs> it's okay. And he, would, he had a heck of a mouth, but he would run a coon track, and as soon as he hit the tree, he'd turn around and run it right back the same way he came, mm. and he never would, would follow, uh, or never lock down tree. I ended up deer hunting him for a little bit and um, actually ended up uh, – selling him for a deer dog down the road but yeah that was where i started but mm-hmm. yeah i started reached wendell reached out to me and then uh, lindell price yeah so i was hunting with them 
two, three, four nights a week mm-hmm. when I was in college. So um, oh, they hunted hard. Yeah, I was. You know, I said I, I'm I'm here to learn and and. I'll help lead a dog out or do whatever I can to help, you know, and, and learned a lot from that, uh, you know, and, and it started me a, a long way. It started me down my road. I was gifted a puppy by, by Buck Ratliff, uh, my autumn, autumn. female. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and she was a once-in-a-lifetime dog for me. You know, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I don't know how many nights I sat on a log in the woods just right by myself <laughs> and uh, or sat on the dog box or laid down on the dog box and looked at the stars, fell asleep, woke up, and she finally got to the point she'd, she'd go off and get treed. And uh, I think I granted her out before she turned, right before she turned three. But I traveled all over competition mm-hmm. hunting with her, and, and uh, you know, she was uh, – she was definitely an inspiration. And then I would take my buddies that, that deer dog hunted and they would see how that dog handled. You know, I could call her off a tree. She'd follow me to the truck. Uh, when she was younger, she'd pick the coon up, carry it onto the truck to, with you. You know, she was, you know, just that special dog. And they couldn't believe how the dog handled. And that's just kind of driven me even more to to produce and, and have dogs that handle and, and dogs that can. And I'm not, you know. I got some decent dogs, but I'm not where I want to be yet. Mm-hmm. I got a ways to go, but um, you know, I feel like every year they're getting better and better. And you know, something I see is the more time I'm able to dedicate to them and and really and then single them out. You know, knock the numbers down to you know taking two or three young dogs, four young dogs at the time, and taking them out and letting them do it on their own. It's just made better and better dogs mm-hmm. and. Uh, that's hard to do when you got so many in the kennels, and so you got to hunt a lot in order to be able to to alternate through them all to to keep them in shape and to and to keep them tuned up halfway um, through the training season and everything. Because I'm always wanting to train the young dogs, and but I've always got older dogs that are in the kennels at home or something like that. But I always got to I always do leave something behind usually um, because when I'm during hunting season, I'm I'm alternating dogs. I'm hunting fresh dogs every, you know, every day I, I hunt. So, um, and then when I go to Maine, I have two sets of dogs that I can I can take and hunt since we're limited to the six. So, yeah, and and that, that brings me back to the why. And and like I said, I've thought about this, and I'm going to exclude the police dogs out of it because that's a whole separate, it's a whole separate um, thing. But why do we train? Our hounds, and when I say train, I don't mean put them in the woods and let them run. That's part of it. But we, you know, why do we train our dogs to handle, to load, to lead, to not bust out of the box and run over top of you and break your fingers when you get them accidentally caught in the the D ring of the? Co- I mean, because that's happened. I mean, you guys listening, I've probably had it happen too. You know, why do I train? And somebody asked me on. I don't know if it was on a podcast or I don't know if it was just talking about how much obedience is too much. And as long as you're not breaking that dog down, I, I mean, I don't think that there isn't enough. Like, you know, that dog should be consistent in recalling. That dog should be consistent in X, Y, and Z. Um, I'm a professional trainer. I do it for a living. And my dogs are not where I want them because me training one police dog i.e. Pino, I spend eight hours a day with him, two two Mondays a month, sometimes three Mondays a month, 
and he singled out. It's him. Boom. We're out working. We're doing obedience. We're doing tracking. You know, we're working on his aggression control. But when I've got, just like what you said, I've got nine hounds that I am currently able to take hunting. That's not counting the pups that I have at home. Um, that I'm, I've got, so I've got another little pup now that I've started. I'm going to call her Sassy. And, you know, I've already started putting her on a place board, elevating her, making her get up and down. And, and it's the place board's only, uh, I think, 10 inches tall right now. But, um, like, I'm already working her because I want that, I want that well-mannered behavior. Like, I want my dogs to listen. I want my dogs to mind. And it makes me, it makes the whole experience more pleasurable. You're not beating and swarping on dogs and, you know, getting your arms pulled out of socket. And it, 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 just, it just makes everything much better. So when I think about the why, why do I train my dogs, um, it's because I want, a, I want a pleasurable experience. And I think we've all, just like you're talking about Autumn, and I can go back through several dogs that I've had over the past, um, which is going to bring us into another segment here in a minute. But, you know, my old frosty dog, um, my bell female, uh, I had that walker dog. Now I, comp- I, didn't, I didn't bear hunt him, but I just competition coon hunted him, and I didn't have to put a lead on him. They tried to scratch me one night at a night hunt because I called him off the tree and he walked out beside me and they said I didn't have control of my dog. And I'm like, what What do you mean I don't have control of him? He's standing here. Well, what if another dog barks and takes off? I said, he's not going to, I tell him to. Hey guys, the journey on Houndsman XP has teamed up with Go Wild. Go Wild is a social media platform that was made for hunters by hunters. If you guys and gals have listened to any of the other podcasts that I've been on, you know what a huge outdoor enthusiast I am. I love being in the woods with my hounds. There's nothing more exciting than hearing the thunder of a spring gobbler. I love fishing for trout in the brooks and the streams, and I love being on the river chasing that ever-elusive fish of a thousand casts, the muskie. Go wild is the place that I can post my trophies, hunts, and memories without being censored. But Go Wild is so much more than that. It's a place to share your stories, sharpen your skills, hone your tactics, get gear reviews, and shop for anything outdoors. When you make a purchase from the Go Wild store, everything is free shipping. Anything that you purchase anywhere in the country, no matter how big, free shipping so go down to the show notes click on the go wild link at the bottom and get signed up today and let's go wild if y'all purchase anything from go wild make sure that you're using the houndsman xp promo code and that code is going to be hxp10 so when you go in there and you download your cart and you come up to the bottom and it says promo code Add Houndsman XP to it. The journey on Houndsman XP has teamed up with One TDC. This dual action support for oral health and mobility in our dogs. This unique supplement is so effective that it is recommended by top veterinarian experts worldwide to maintain and improve 
our dog's health in four different areas. Their oral health, hips, joints, and muscles, skin, coat, energy, and recovery. Guys, I've been using this product for the last six months, and it has been a game changer for me. If you're looking for something to help with the overall health of your dog, go to worksowell.com and give this product a try. It is highly recommended by Houndsman XP here on The Journey. Those dogs, I never had to get on them. And that makes the whole experience so much better, is not having to yell and fuss and, and do all these things that we do um, when you have a dog that's, that's well-mannered. And some dogs are geared differently, just like um, my Axe dog, the the pup, the A-litter. That's, um, like, he drives me bonkers, man. He's got a loose screw. Like, he's, he's rattle-headed. Um, but I can see some natural ability in him, and... The tendency for most of us, and I, BB, I think you're in his category, I'll tolerate a little bit of silliness if he can produce results. My ring dog that was one of the best dogs I've ever owned was hard-headed as all get out, um, aggravated the snot out of me, literally give me gray hair at 20 years old, but he was a game-catching machine. And I tolerated some of that nonsense because of that. Does that resonate yeah. with you? Yes. No, <laughs> I, I, you know, there are some things that are, that, that set me off certain traits that I, that are no goes for me that I, you know, that I don't like. And, and I'm the type of person that I've, I've got to like a dog um, to have him around. There's got to be something about him that I really mm-hmm. like for me to, to, to keep him around um, and, and keep hunting him. Um, but no, I, I'll, I'll let a dog get away with a lot. I mean, and really, you know, when it comes down to it, there, I, you know, that hard headedness or that uh, uh, that can that what's the best term for it? The you know that drive that that you know some of those hard headed dogs have mm-hmm. are that for me is that trait if, if that turns if they turn that drive into staying with a bear by themselves on the ground and some of the thick mm-hmm. stuff that we have or um, you know putting <clears throat> that drive into getting that extra gear to pull out and, and run to catch you know that game um, you know that's what I, I see a lot of it and I will say that my the bear dogs for the most part probably don't handle as good as my coon dog does mm-hmm. or did um, but Again, it was a singled out. Coon yeah, you're, dog. you're toting. Yeah, I'm you, just, you and me were toting six dogs a piece today. Mm-hmm. So yep. it's hard to to single those dogs well, out. Well, six dogs, and well, you know, for me, I in my truck, I had you know one five year old, and then one fourteen month old, a twelve month old, and three eleven month old. Yep. So you know, they're very very young, but they, I mean, for their age and what they're doing. Um, you know, I really like what I see there. Mm-hmm. So I let them get, you know, I let them have a little bit of that. And just as, you know, I've kind of evolved, I've learned that the patience and the consistency of, of taking them and hunting them while maintaining that patience and cool-headedness takes you further and doesn't set you back is if you uh, potentially, um, you know, lose your head and get upset with them or overcorrect mm-hmm. or something like that. You know, when when it's 
training season is not that big of a deal. That's the whole point of training season. You know, there will always be that next hunt that you can kind of work on things as you see them when it's appropriate to correct things or, you know, um, uh, intervene in behaviors you might not desire, you know. So. Well, and that so, and just brings up like that second race we had this morning. Like we had everything we had was under a year old, a year old or younger. I, we ha- I had no expectations of catching that bear. Like in my mind, I'm like, let them go, let them run. <laughs> you know, if they catch it, then heck yeah, that was a bonus. Mm-hmm. And if they didn't, then it's okay. That's a learning experience. And there was no pressure there. I had no reason to be upset, like none. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, thing, it's things like that that help, help us become better. And again, I, I have evolved from 20, well, I'm, I mean, I'm 28, 29 years now. I'd have to count. You know, I, I mean, I still have um, flashbacks <laughs> to, to some of my um, awfulness, but uh, it's well, it's tenfold better. And I, I understand the dog's behaviors and what, what I can do. And I understand the biggest thing that I take, take away from the why and you said it in yours. It's a process. Like, you know, one of my buddies texted me today, Rome was not built in a day. These pups are not going to be built, especially for me. Now, you guys get to hunt more than I do. But for me, you know, I'm looking probably two years before I start getting a handle on what, what's going on. Um, so it's a process. You know, I've got to get from A to Z, and I've got a lot of letters in between, and you know, for me, each time I take them out, okay, a little bit of progress here. Okay, I had a setback here. Um, I don't get as upset when the dogs don't perform to my expectations. Like, my expectations are one of my biggest downfalls, uh, especially when you have people around and, you you know, you, you want your dogs to perform, have that extreme performance, and they just fall short because they're dogs. So... I mean, it, it is what it is. So I'm going to – we we tapped into this, and we're going to go ahead and roll with it. So we was talking about some dogs of old, and I want to hear about some of your most memorable hunts. And I know and you, and I, you and I have already talked – we've already talked about this. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you about my, my one of my most memorable ones first, and then I'm going to switch it back to you because – this goes back to the why and the excitement that filled me for days upon days after I accomplished this. So my what my most memorable hunt, bear hunting, is the day that I treat a bear with my dogs, and it was three of them. It was Frosty, Belle, and Clyde. Frosty was a, a black and tan. Uh, Walker Cross, he looked like a black and tan, had a big old um, white patch in his chest, and he had a frost right across his nose. That's why he got his names for Frosty. Um, I was hunting an area in behind my dad's, and I had struck a bear, and the dogs had went down into uh, a valley and made a big loop, and they crossed the road behind me. Of course, Belle was my little blue female that I got from Dale Cameron, and Clyde was the other um, Cameron dog that I had. They crossed him behind me and went in over into another another big, long valley. 
Of course, back then we had the beep beep collars. You didn't have, you know. So the dogs went out of hearing, and I knew where to go to get up on a high point where I could listen down that valley. So I had pulled up to that high point, and I could still at the beep. The, well, so the tree and switch went off. Everybody knows you go from the steady beep beep to the beep 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 beep. So the tree and switch was going off, but I couldn't hear the dogs. So I kept walking. And I don't know, they were a couple miles, a couple miles in there and they were right on the creek. So I had to drop off the, the top of the, the ridge, the, the top, top of the mountain down into the creek and they were treed in uh it was so dark down and I, I have pictures of this. It was so dark down in there that you couldn't hardly see the, the, the flash on the camera. That's how old we are because I had to carry a camera and have my film developed um, the flash on the camera made it look like coon eyes. Like it was so dark down in this hollow. and it, I mean, it was just covered in laurels and rhododendrons. And um, the bear was sitting in, a, in the bottom fork. And it was probably 150, 175-pound bear. But those three dogs did it by themselves. They were mine. I was hunting by myself. No one else was with me. And I'll never forget that. Like the excitement. I mean, I'm I, like I can my my heart is actually speeding up now just talking about it because that was the first time I ever accomplished that. Like you know, all the hard work. Like you and I were talking this morning. People don't get that you're spending hours and hours and hours out here running these young dogs by themselves, letting them learn, picking them up, spending gas money, you know, paying vet bills. People don't people lose track of that. And especially the people that get to see it one or two times and maybe the non-hound hunters, you know, you guys, if you guys are listening, you know, you don't see the amount of time that goes into what we do. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was just so, I mean, I sat under that tree probably for an hour and let the dogs tree. I took pictures and I'm telling you, when I come back up out of that valley and, and hit the AT and headed back to the truck, I mean, I was probably the proudest person on earth at that point in time because that's something that I had been chasing for years. And when I say chasing for years, I was chasing that for years. Um, and it happened to come together. And then, you know, the seasons were still tough. I mean, I'd catch a bear too. I think the first season that I actually caught bear by myself, I think I caught five bear that season. And I was hunting hard. Like, it was every chance I had to go, every – I mean, I got up mornings and was like, why am I doing this? And, you know, I was able to catch, I think, four or five bear that year. And I think I only killed one. We only killed one of those. Um, Fred actually actually killed one of them. But um, that's one of my most memorable hunts is that first one by myself. What say you, B.B.? Oh, I got there's several memorable hunts that I've had. I've had some some very some ones that got a little western. I've had some, but probably the one that comes out uh, as far as my most memorable is, is probably uh, you know, like I said earlier in this in in this, I took my grandfather uh, or my grandfather took me started taking me deer hunting when I was a little kid. So you know, he took me to kill my first deer. Um, so probably the most memorable was I got to take him to kill his first bear, um, and that was that was a 
you know, I'll never forget that day. It, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily all my dogs. It was the normal group of us down here that hunt. Uh, you know, we were at a hunt club uh, that, that my grandfather had been in since he was in diapers. Um, so, you know, we had, you know, went and, Went and looked for tracks. It was Sandy Road, so we went and looked for tracks, found a decent track, you know, started it. And that thing made some loops in there and finally got treed off this one particular path that we killed. You know, this one particular path in this in this lease that we had was where we killed probably 80% of the bears we ever got after. But my grandfather was probably in his late 70s, mid to late 70s. Um, and I think they were about a hundred yards off the off the path, so not you know not too not far at all, um, but just a perfect opportunity. So we, we uh, you know the dogs had him treed up a little tiny pine. It was probably about a hundred eighty pound, two hundred pound bear, um, boar bear. And uh, I remember I carried my grandfather's shotgun in and and cut a path, and then I some other hunt club members helped him in because you know older and and kind of that uh cut over that we have here it's not easy walking um especially if you can't you know get a, if you're not as nimble on your feet it's definitely hard to get through i think you i don't think you fell down on the way in there but uh i'll never forget it because i got in there and and it was so thick you know short pines and everything like that you almost had to shoot straight up mm. with him because he was you know you had to be so close in order to see him but he was sit up there on a on a nice and it wasn't a very big, probably, you know, an inch and a half diameter limb. He was kind of, for the most part, had a lot of his weight, <clears throat> but he was in the in the top of that little pine. And uh, <laughs> it was right funny. My, my grandfather, well, he shot. We, after we got all the dogs tied back, he shot. And I looked. I could see it out of the corner of my eye, and I just see the kind of gun barrel kind of go back. And uh, the other hunt club members that were standing beside him, like right beside him, uh, they they ended up I think catching the gun. Well, he is knocked over by that shotgun, <laughs> and they, it kind of just falls over nice and graceful because they helped him. They actually kind of called him and just uh, and and led him to the ground. And I remember I was looking at the bear because we were so close that if he uh-huh. fell out, he was going to be right at our feet. And that's never a fun experience that they fall on you <laughs> no. when, they, when they come out. Um, so. <laughs> I look over and he's he's sitting on the ground laughing, <laughs> and I, we look back up and the bear is still in the tree. I killed him dead, but that thing was stuck in that little pine mm. tree. The them little limbs had him had him stuck in there. So we ended up leading all the dogs back, and uh, you know cut cut a streak. You know with the machetes getting in there and and, and help get my grandfather out. We're like, how are we going to get this bear out of this tree? And that, like I said, that one limb had most of his weight. And uh, I think I had a 20-gauge slug gun. I said, you know, if I shoot that limb out, he's liable to come out. And, I, you know, I didn't think I was going to hit that thing, you know. But I reached, uh, aimed and shot and cut that limb right in two, and out come the bear. Hmm. Just as pretty as you ever wanted to see. And, I, and there's been since times I've had them stuck in trees and it didn't work out like that. <laughs> so, I mean, it looked, it worked out perfect, but I can tell you he was proud and I was proud of, of that whole experience. And, you know, we came back to the house and uh, my mom's always big in the pictures. So we had to make sure we got the photo opportunity and, and, uh, and had him, you know, had the pictures on the tailgates and stuff like that. And I mean, he's been lucky to, to, 
to get some more bear sense than a couple couple more bear sense then but you know that to me was you know the fact that he took me to kill my first deer and I was able to take him to kill his first bear um, that to me is just something I'll never forget mm-hmm. you know even it, you know that it just you know it's still mounted in his living room to this day you know um, so it's it's a constant reminder and you know stories like that it's a uh, you know, the Western ones or the ones that touch you or, or that had that sentimental value, you know, and being able to share them, you know, that, that's put part of what why I do this too because I'm going to tell you, if it wasn't for bear hunting, I, I don't know what I would talk about because I don't know if I'd have many stories. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yeah. It, 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 would, um, it would be difficult, and I don't know what I would do with all my extra money. Like, like I thought about that the other day. I'm like, golly, geez, man, I spend so much money on, I mean, the dog food alone, you know, is, is horrible. And then, you know, I, I've got, and I mean, I'm looking, you know, over my shoulder here. I mean, you've got a row of tracking collars. I've got, you know, a row of tracking collars. We've got extra GPSs and, or, you know, the handhelds, you know, we've got tablets strapped to our truck. We've got antennas. I've got ready. I mean, it's like, what would I do if I had all this money? What would I waste it on, I guess? But, it, you know, it's such, and I'm going right back to memorable hunts, you know, what would I do without these memories? And I think about, I mean, I've got a lot. I've been blessed, man. I've met some of the best people in the world through hunting. You know, all my guys in New York um, are like family. You know, i got Rodney and Bob and Anthony. Um, you know, those guys take you in just like they're your family. And they, they've treated me like family. They are some of my closest friends. Um, you know, just like this bear this past year, you know, that I was out on that top of that cliff and it was in a hole. I mean, that's a whole story within itself. But while you were sitting there talking about your grandfather, two of them popped up in my head. And it was the first time that Tyler, which is my son, I took him to his first bear tree. Now, Tyler's not, um, he's not like Maddie. Maddie loves outdoor. Now, Tyler does too, but he's not a big hunter. You know, he don't, he likes to fish a little bit, but he does, he, he loves to shoot guns. But uh, I was hunting with Scott Mustard and them back then, and we treat a, a bear off the side on the south of the mountain, and Tyler got into that tree. And I've got that, I've literally got that picture at home. I've got a female named Sky and ring and it was Belle, my little blue female and tyler's standing behind it beside the tree looking up and sky is stretched up on that tree as far as she can stretch barking um that resonates with me and then maddie the first tree she was ever at um i thought it was me and forrest and jordan were together and we were in this area and we had all the kids like addison was there maddie was five years old five years old and um, the bear come out. We didn't have all the dogs tied. I had to walk back in there about two miles to get the dogs. And she went every step of the way with me. And she still does that. Like, you know, she's she's getting ready to turn 14. And her love for these dogs are probably as much as mine, if not more. Um, she could care less about taking an animal. She She doesn't care about it. And... Another memorable moment, and like I said, there's 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 a hunt there's there's a lot in between. But this year, Maddie and I went was basically hunting by ourselves, 
and we had uh, five or six dogs, probably six dogs. Yeah, I mean, you had Spook and Kate, Maggie, Houdini Hart, and Trip. Yeah, so I had six dogs, and they treed <clears throat> four and a half miles in, and we got in there, got to the tree, and she's like, Dad, you going to shoot it? And I'm like, no, I don't even have a gun. Like, what would I shoot it for? So we sit down on the rocks. We take some pictures. She pets the dog. She loves on the dog. She takes pictures of the dogs. And, you know, we we spent some time there, and we, we, we get the dogs. And, I mean, she's leading three, two or three dogs. I don't remember. Um, we let them out. And, you know, she talked about that hunt for three days. And that, like, that's a lot of my why. I get to spend outdoor time outdoors doing what I love to do, and I get to spend it with my daughter, who I love more than anything. And just a, just a little caveat to the end of that. So we get home that night, and she takes a shower, and she comes and she sits on the couch. She's always sitting on the couch and throwing her feet up on me. And I look at her feet, and she's got blisters. And I mean blisters on her heels and on her toes. And I'm like, Maddie. And she was like, yeah, them shoes hurt a little bit. She never once said a word about it. Not once. And I want to cry because I know how it feels. Like them muck boots wore, they wore, I got blisters on my heels from yesterday from them. Um, But it's things like that, that those memories, those times with, with my family uh, and friends, close friends, that make make it all worthwhile. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it makes it all worthwhile. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, taking folks, I mean, and, and I've <clears> taken <throat> taken a lot of people in to kill bears, you know, and, and a lot of times it's their first bears. And some of them are easy. Some of them, you know, it's, it's treed. You know, they don't get a really full picture of what's going on. But I tell you what, the ones that really, really – you're going to, you know, you, I sit back and think about it. You know, a lot of those people, they're going to remember you for the rest of your life mm-hmm. because of what you did. And I, and I've carried people into the woods and, 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 you know, helped them <clears> be <throat> successful in taking a bear and, and everything work out all right. And, and I don't remember their names, but they remember me. And, uh, you know, I had a, you know, a hunt, uh, it's been a couple of years ago now. I had to, you know, this we had a big bear, a really, really, really big bear. I mean, I think he was six fifty seven, um, and we had a, I think he was thirteen, fourteen, maybe fourteen year old kid, and and we walked that bear down. I said, look, I said, you need to be in my back pocket. I had to give him a pep talk in oh, the yeah. middle of the woods, mm-hmm. and uh, you need to be in my <clears> back <throat> pocket because when he stops, we got to be there, and uh, he. He pushed through and he did it and put in a heck of a shot. And I said, "You'll never kill a bear that big ever again." Mm-hmm. Well, that was a good one. And that was a a monster bear. And and the fact that he pushed through it and and found out, you know, that in himself. I mean, because you know, I've been in situations. I'm crawling through the the briars or going across the water, and it's like, yeah, you know, why do I do this? <laughs> that why? But, but I tell up. you, you know that drive, and then and then motivating somebody to to come with you to do that. I don't know how many people I've I've had with me, and you know they never forget. Or the, after the first time they go with me, and if they don't have the leather leather gloves with me, the next time they will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm bringing them after the last two days. 
I've got two machetes that's laying in my basement up behind my bench, my, my dog bench. I'm putting it back in my truck. Like, I'm tired of eating in briars. But, you, you know, it's funny you say that. Um, you talk about people remembering your names. So one of the guys that I work with was up in Richmond um, back in the 1st of April. And he texts me out of the blue, and he's like, hey, you remember a guy by the name of Matt Harris? Do you remember Matt? So he coon hunt. He used to coon hunt in Richmond, and, and he, he again we're going back to Wendell Bond and David Linkus because that's where they hooked up. So Wendell and them brought him down, and t- I took him bear hunting. So my buddy that I work with says, "Hey, I'm down here turkey hunting with some uh, some family of some family friends," and he said we were sitting around drinking a beer last night, and he said, "Yeah," he said, "I I come down there and went bear hunting with a guy by the name of Heath and." Nate's like, Heath? He's like, you went bear hunting with Ethan? He was like, yeah, man, it's been like 20 years ago. And he said, I'll never go back. He liked to kill me. <laughs> of course, you hunt in the mountains, and 20 years ago, I was in decent shape. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I remember Matt, but, I, you know, it had slipped. Mm-hmm. And when he brought that up, I was like, you're kidding me. And he's like, yeah, dude. Like, he, he knew like he knew everything and he's like I I work with him. I know exactly who you're talking about. But you're right. People never forget that. Mm-hmm. And I have not seen him since. Mm-hmm. It's probably been 18 20 years and I have not seen him since. And like it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. That that's something, you know, that memories, you know, uh, you know, and, and a lot of it I think. You know, the adrenaline, I, I don't know, there's something about memory and adrenaline whereas you know, if, and accomplishing or pushing through something to get, you know, <coughs> makes you or, or helps <laughs> to remember thing, you know, helps you remember to a degree. But, um, you know, I, you know, I know faces better than I do names, but it's, it's hard for me sometimes. I feel bad. I'm trying to do better about about trying to keep up with it. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that it'll, it'll catch you off guard every once in a mm-hmm. while. For sure. Yeah. So what? Before we wrap this up, what is what is what is your most scariest hunt? Hmm. I had a, a well. So, so probably my worst. We were we were down helping an outfitter out, and uh, well, down here. <laughs> actually, let's let's, let's back up. So my scariest hunt. So uh, and I will never forget this hunt either. Um, you know, we were we'd, we were in the same block we were hunting today, same oh. exact block. Oh yeah. And uh, we had a, had folks in. They were recording for a TV show. Mm-hmm. And so we were trying to to um, get a a bait bear on video with a bow. Oh boy. Or walking bay and bear, you know. And that place there is is about perfect for it because of the streaks. Yeah. So you can kind of, you know, hit him on those those cut, cut paths. Mm-hmm. And when he steps out, most of the time he'll step out if he, you know, step out and, and he can get a decent shot on him. And it's thick enough there the dogs a lot of times aren't necessarily ahead. But sometimes they'll come out ahead of the bear and everything like that. So it just has to be a perfect situation for that to actually work out. I mean, and it's really, it's it's not an easy task to do. And, and um, so anyway, so we were doing that. It was raining and... Uh, and I was in, we had this, a, a good bear, and we were walking in, and been walking him and banning him, walking him and bearing him, and, and uh, it was just getting late in the day. Dogs were getting worn out, and I had a buddy of mine and his son down, 
and that because they wanted to go bear hunting. And uh, Doug said, "Well, go ahead and, and kill him if you get the opportunity." Or go, so I, we carried one gun in, and it was a semi-automatic twenty-gauge shotgun. And we've been crawling through the bushes trying to stay downwind of the bear to keep to try and get him to cross that a street and he wouldn't do it. He he would go he was just gonna go where he wanted to go and he wouldn't cross a street. So anyway, so I handed this shotgun to a, a, a my buddy's son and uh now how old was he? He was probably let me think. He was older. He had he's probably in his twenties, I think. Because okay. he was I think just got out of the <clears throat> navy. He, yeah. He just got out of the Navy, and I, I think he's getting ready to go to college. So, mm-hmm. um, after getting out of the Navy, and so here comes this big bear. I mean, just you know, a, I think he was four twenty something. Mm-hmm. And he's just walking along in front of the dogs, and it, it was kind of in the end, it's kind of a little more clear, so you could see a pretty good ways. I don't know, they were probably twenty yards or so from us, and he's just walking along, and he goes to shoot the first time, and he drills a tree. I mean, shoots a tree just, just <laughs> right. I mean, just drills that tree, and then the second shot, he shot him, and he and he high spined him, you know, kind of in that front. Sh- but he got him in the spine, so he's kind of he was mm-hmm. he was he was put down, you know. He was he was he was incapacitated. You know, in, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I grabbed uh-huh. the gun from him because the you know the dogs once that happens, right. the dogs are going to be all around him. So mm-hmm. I grabbed the gun up there and, and just going to go finish him off. With the bear sees me, Eww. and he was probably ten yards. Well, that dirker closed that ten yards. Ooh. Well, I put the gun up and I put the bead right between his eyes, and the gun went click. Oh! And that bear, if he wouldn't have been spined, or if I would have turned to run, he'd have had me. Um. Because he come and he he got up on his, kind of tried to get up on his back legs, but he couldn't quite do it. But he was trying to grab me with his claws. Oh, wow. And he's, so all I remember seeing was his mouth open and the slobber between the two, you know, his upper and lower jaw and and lips. Mm. And the only thing I could think to do is to stick that gun barrel right down his throat. So I stuck that gun barrel probably, I mean, he was, his bottom jaw was near about touching the forearm, the forearm. Um, so he actually bit, was biting the barrel, bent the vitted rib to the barrel. Uh-huh. And I held him down. Luckily, like I said, if he had been, if he wasn't spined, then he probably would have had me. And, uh, <laughs> and then I racked it and, uh, was well, this is automatic. It's semi-automatic. semi-automatic. Yeah. So I racked it. Cause I, I don't know, you know, them inertia guns, if you don't hold, mm-hmm. uh, hold them tight, yep. they don't cycle they don't sometimes. Jet, yep. And so anyway, so uh, the dogs kind of got his attention where he turned and and, went, and I racked it and put one more in him. And I think somebody else, he went a little bit further and, and I was shook up at that point. But then it's somebody, <laughs> he, he got finished off. But I mean, the bear, he was he would have died anyway. Mm-hmm. But it was just one of the things you needed to get it done yeah. just before dogs start getting hurt. But yeah, that, that, that to me, I will, I will never forget that. And that's I don't care so now, you know, about shotgun your, anymore. Your vision of the de- your detail of that vision, like oh, the I, drool and the yeah yeah like I, no. I saw the slobber. <laughs> I saw the slobber. And I, that is no joke. I mean, I can see it to the I can I can look back in my memories and see it right now mm-hmm. because the only thing I could think to do is to stick that gun barrel down his throat. Now, did you go home and have to clean your drawers? No, no. It, <laughs> I tell you, if it would have been if it would have been about thirty seconds later, the camera crew would have had it on film. 
Oh, wow. The camera crew, and I was sitting there. I, it, I mean, it shook me up a little bit. Ain't no doubt about it. Did they it. see it? No, they were, oh. they were probably, they were just probably too far behind. a little bit, a little bit, nah, probably 20 seconds behind mm. from missing it. Well, what about the kid, the boy, and his dad? Uh, they, I think they were shocked. Yeah. That, 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 Did that they ever talent. come back? Um, I don't think he he's made it back. <laughs> he would go. He would go. Now, since, yeah. since his, you know, they they were big coon hunters. Uh, so that's how I met them. <clears throat> they, they were they were coon hunters. But yeah, that was probably the the sketchiest situation. I had you know when they when they seen you see you and they lay them ears mm-hmm. back and they come to you. And, yep. And they close ten yards, and a lot of times you'll get a fake, you know, get a, a, bu- a bluff, yeah. a bluff charge, mm-hmm. you know, and that happens a lot. You can kind of make yourself look as, look as big as you can, and and everything. But but you know, I don't know how many times I've people go in there and you're like, oh, go look at him bait up, and you talk, you hear him on the radio, but you don't hear no dogs in the background mm-hmm. because they ain't very close. That's to right. Me. They're not getting. <laughs> they're not getting that close. Well, I mean, I'll tell you yesterday, and then I'll tell you one of my my foopas. But like yesterday, I was trying to get um, video of that bear coming down. So um, Wade had taken all the dogs, and I was just sitting there, and it stayed and stayed and stayed. Well, finally, it come down the tree, and it um, it started huffing and blowing. And I was twenty yards back and behind some little trees. I mean, no bigger than bigger than your arm. And it finally come down to the base of the tree, and then backed off the tree. And started popping its teeth and wolfing, and I'm like, crap. So I kind of like eat. There's a, like it's a finger. It's three trees together, and I kind of lean in behind him. And I'm like, this dude comes at me. I know where to go. Like these trees aren't big enough to help. And he was a, I mean, that was a good bear. And you know, I hollered at Wade, and I was like, yeah, he's, he's at the bottom of the tree. <laughs> and I was trying to video it, but it, you know, I respect them. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I. I'm not trying there to cause you any problems. Just don't cause me any. No, that and that's definitely you, you got to respect them. And and the ones that ain't afraid of you, yes, they're the ones you got to yes. really be aware. You know, you got to keep mm-hmm. an eye out on them because if they look you dead in the eyes <clears throat> and they don't care, yeah. And I've had them where they'll actually smell you and look for you. That's what he was doing. Yeah, I've had them where they, you know, the dogs will be baying him, but he smells you, and you can mm-hmm. tell he's smelling you. You'd be up when, and it's, a lot of times they'll break if they smell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've had, had them actually come to me yeah. because they smelled me, and that's a little eerie because I'd try to get around behind the dogs, you know, and mm-hmm. and but it, you know you got to definitely respect them. You can't, uh, you you definitely can't get too too. Uh, too laid back with them because they'll they'll they're, they're allowed to put you in your place. I mean, I know a guy in Maine that's uh, yeah, he's been bit twice two years in a row. Well, Wesley's <laughs> Wesley's dad got bit this year, but he was trying to get dogs off. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a small bear in a timber cut, and we were trying to pull dogs off of it. And he reached in to grab one of the dogs who was biting the bear in the hind end, and the bear just swirled around, and got him in the arm. But yeah, yeah. I, like I said, that made me a little. You know, a little uncomfortable yesterday. Like he was, he was kind of swaying back and forth, and he was kind of looking, and he would huff, and I'm like, "Yeah, dude, just go the other way. Like, just go the other way, because I'm not out running you in this swamp." But yeah, so one, I, I can't say that um, I was scared, but it was uh, an inexperience, me being inexperienced, and um, again hunting by myself and being. I don't know. I, I was hunting by myself. So I'd hunted this area all morning, and I had three dogs with me. Frosty, which was a 
you know, Frosty was a dog that catch a bear by himself, and then I had two pups. They were actually exactly a year old, um, bear and hoss, and that's the the two pups that I had. And I had hunted this whole valley out, and it was coming and walking back out, and got halfway down the logging road to the truck, and it and like I, I still remember this as plain as day. It was like you dropped a cinder block on Frosty's head. He was just kind of trotting down the road. He went smash to the ground and then bellering out of there. Crossed, he went down off the over the bank, um, crossed a big valley, and the two pups went with him, and they didn't know anything. They didn't know anything at the time. He went up the valley, pulled halfway up the mountain on the other side, and treed. And so <clears throat> I pull in there. It takes me probably almost an hour to get to him, uh, maybe, maybe 45 minutes to get to him from where I was at. I get in there, and again, I have this picture. It's it's in my my basement in my little man room um, with with the date on it, September something, 2012, maybe. No, I don't remember. But the tree was leaning. It was a big oak tree, and it was leaning just a little bit, not a lot. And the bear was sitting in the bottom limb, and he was turned facing the base of the tree. And Frosty was literally, because he could, the tree was leaning, Frosty could run up the tree. And every time Frosty would run up the tree, this bear would woof and smack the tree. And how he was not hitting Frosty is beyond me. So, inexperienced me, because I was green, I grabbed the two pups who were doing nothing and tied them up first. And then I get... I get Frosty. Now, I did have um, uh, Big Charlie and um, Eddie were with me that day, but they were in the truck. They weren't with, like, in the woods. So I go to catch Frosty, and I step now, and, and we're on, I got to pre-reference this. So the, um, the the hill going down to the tree is steep, and it's it's rocks. It's like a rock, it's like a rock ravine, kind of. So I go to catch Frosty, so I'm standing at the base of the tree. Well, Frosty decides to run up the tree as I go to grab his collar. So I'm literally stretched up, pulling him back off the tree when this bear spins around and decides to come down the tree. I have nowhere to go. Like, I'm I'm stuck. So the bear literally hits me in the back. So... To vision this, my back is to the base of the tree. The bear's backing down the tree, and his rear end just drives me in the ground. Like, I mean, plasters me in the ground. Yes, I'm by myself. I, so I, I, re, I, retake, I redact that. It did scare the crap out of me because I didn't, think I, I didn't know if I was getting eat up or not. So anyway, how I managed to hold on to Frosty is beyond me, but I remember Frosty spinning me around on the ground on my belly, pulling me halfway down the hill before I could get stopped. Now, Frosty was a big dog. In shape, he was 88 pounds. So I get him tied up, and I get up, and I'm wearing Carhartt, the double-kneed Carhartt jeans, and it's got a perfect split um, vertically down my kneecap. My knee is numb, and I'm like, okay. So I sit down, I pull my pants up. I've got a pretty good gash in my knee, like pretty good gash. So I holler at um, that Big E, and I'm like, hey, man, 
you know, I'm going to come out, but I'm going to come out down the valley. I said, I've cut my knee pretty bad, and I don't feel like walking back up, so I'm going to come down. And again, an hour and 45 minutes to get out of there. So I've got Frosty and the two pups. Of course, once I get away from the tree, again, Frosty was one of those dogs that you didn't have to put a lead on. Um, the pups followed along, so I didn't have to lead any dogs after I got out of there. And hour and 45 minutes, um, Eddie brings my truck my truck around. They look at me, and they're like, you probably need to go to the hospital and get that sewed up. And, of course, by then, my whole leg's drenched. So that's why you should probably carry some some type of first aid stuff with you. Um, I actually have a – I don't, can't put a tourniquet on it, but I carry a tourniquet on my, my chest rig now. But So I get out. I decide I'm going to go to the doctor. So I drive all the way back to town and go to my doctor's office. And they're like, we don't stitch stuff up. You're going to have to go to the emergency room. Now, and, of course, at the time, I'm driving Old Blue, which is my 94 Chevy, which is a stick shift. So I'm driving with one leg, you know, clutch, brake, gas. <laughs> so, um, Because my knee had gotten really stiff by the time I got out. So I go to the hospital, and I check myself in the emergency room, and they take me back there, and they ask me what happened, and I was like, well, I got run over by a bear. Well, you would have think the world had come to an end. You would have what? I'm like, well, I was bear hunting, and bear, you know, run over me, and the doctor's like, hold on a minute. And he left the room, and I'm like, what's he doing? Like, am I, am I in trouble? Like, I didn't do anything. And he comes back in there, and he was like, can you explain this to me again? And I explained to him that I'm on – I tell him where I'm at. I said, I'm in a rock bar. The dog's a treat. I go to reach up to get – the dog the bear comes down i'm turning away from it the bear literally sits on my back pushes me in the ground and runs off he said so you weren't attacked and i'm like no i was not attacked like the bear's trying to get away and i'm too dumb to know better so anyway they put 18 stitches in my knee but he he wanted to x-ray it to make sure my kneecap wasn't broke i don't know why but yeah that's one of my too close for calls um, encounters and like I said, if I had to do that again, I'd done something differently. But by myself in the woods, you know, like I said, I was an hour and a half to any road um, to get out. But, yeah, I respect the animal. I think they're a magnificent animal. I love to take pictures. Um, I think it's when I feel most close to nature, too. Like when you're – just like today, you and I are sitting there. I mean, we're, we're in the woods and – you know, I, we've got this, again, magnificent creature setting 20 foot above our head. And how, I mean, how many people get to see that? How many people get to, to experience that? Mm-hmm. So we'll wrap this up, baby. What's your, what's your lasting thoughts here? Oh, nothing. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Good, good talk. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hopefully some folks will find those stories interesting. I, I know there's a whole bunch more <laughs> I have that, that we could talk about, but it's, you know, those are the ones that definitely jump to mind when you yes. <laughs> start talking. Well, you know, and that's one thing about um, hunting and hunting communities, especially the hound community, is like our whole group is family oriented. Like, our, my family goes, I mean, Forrest's kids go, Wesley's wife and kids go, Hot Rod's wife and kids go. Like, it's a family outing. And, you know, those are memories that those 
those people, and especially our kids, will never forget. When I'm long gone out of this world, I hope Maddie can look back and um, enjoy the times that she has spent with me and with us. So it kind of gets me a little emotional because it's that it's that heartfelt for me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, guys, hope you enjoyed it. Like I said, ask yourself, what's your why? Why do you why do you train dogs? Um, it's not so much about hunting with dogs. Dogs have a purpose, and that's why that's what my why is. But I enjoy animals, and I love dogs, and I love having that partnership. It's kind of like me at work. You know, I have Pino with me 12 hours a day, every day I work. And, you know, out of the 70 people that I work with, there's only two of us that have that type of bond with something. And that kind of relates back to my hunting. So, BB, thank you guys for having me down. Um, hopefully I can make another trip here shortly and we can have another race with them puppies like that today (laughs) we catch him out in that field again he's going to be hurting (laughs) (laughs) yeah I'd say so All right, guys thanks for listening 